An unfiltered, uncensored, raw storytelling podcast. I'm tired and angry, but somebody should be. Welcome to another episode of my Ugly Truth Podcast. Save me a press. So if you want to just introduce yourself, your name. Um... Okay, great. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Everyone has an awkward moment when I do that. Uh, Go ahead. Hey, Angie, this is Amy in Atlanta. I'm so excited to be on My Ugly Truth is exposed in uh, 300 pages. Um, My book of the book of failures and then a follow-up book, We're All a Mess. It's okay. So I'm on the same page as you when you tell your truth. It releases something, and oftentimes it makes people laugh and or it makes people cry, but it always helps other people. So thank Mm. you for having me. No, thank you. I appreciate you um, being on there. And I saw your website and everything that, you know, you are representing. And, and I, the fact that you also are in comedy, that that I love it because um, I don't think I'm funny at all. But people like to comment on my stuff. They're like, your episode about the booze and, and, and boobs episode was so funny. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I guess I just like to laugh at myself because I might as well because my life sometimes can be a joke. <laughs> I know. Well, that's so you know, I don't, I, I rarely meet a comic that hasn't had like some traumatic childhood right. and, you know, it's a survival technique. It's a, I mean, you, you, you may, for a lot of men, I couldn't get my words out. Sorry for men. Sometimes like they're getting picked on, they're small or whatever. And they use it like, think of Kevin Hart, you know, right. it's a survival tactic, or maybe your parents are wolves and they're horrible. And that's just how you, uh, some people deal with it. And, um, and so there's a lot of sad comics out there, but they're so funny because it's the truth. What they say is the truth. Right. And actually they, they say that a lot of comedians actually have a very, um, prawn, I don't know if they're more prone to depression, but there, there's always a soft side of them that makes them a comedian. Yes, because imagine going up there and you're, it's kind of like what you do, very similar, where you're just, you're just allowing yourself to be very vulnerable and, um, and, and them's the, the comics even more so because they're in a live environment. And so it's either right. going to work or not work. So I totally embrace your whole philosophy of, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And you, I, I just read today and I thought of you actually, and it was like, it was this great meme and it, or gif or something. And it said something like, you know, your worst moment is going to end up in the survival guide of someone else. Yes, and I, that's crazy. <laughs> You're the third person who's actually about that quote. Is it the one that's like a chalk on the sidewalk? Yes. Yes. You're the third person. Who's it came from a book. I looked it up and a woman, that's a version of it. It's actually from this famous book. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head and it's a little bit slightly different, but because, so you know, I'm always careful before I post something. I'm like, does this belong to anyone? Right. Copywritten. <laughs> yeah. I think that's such a great, and it's so true. It is. It really is. Cause I had to um, reach out to my audience not too long ago because I'm trying to transition this podcast into motivation speaking for women. The, the company I'm working with to try to start that for 2020, they were like, you need to find out what your audience wants. And I actually reached out and I asked, um, what would you want like out of this if you were to like spend your time and money, you know, to come see this? And I agree. I would rather hear someone experience and what how they got out of it that was experienced in it not a licensed therapist you know uh yes you know expose that you like release shame 
and you help other people. Like that's right. And what I, actually, it is. Um, that's so true. You know, I'm, I'm an open book. I, I overshare way too much sometimes, but that's just who I am. And I, I guess maybe it's a vulnerability. I don't know, but I've always got put down about it my whole life. Like, don't be so open. Don't, you shouldn't be so trusting. You shouldn't tell people these things. And I'm like, why now? I'm like, why, why do I have to be like that? I mean, everyone's fake on social media, but, and everyone tries to act like their best life, but why do I have to be like that? I, I want to show people the real, cause that's what people relate with. Yeah. My best material is always about my husband and me getting in fights or my dad telling me I'm not special or my, my right. kids. Right. It's always the deep know. ones. I know yeah. I look at my analytical reports and I'm like, okay, so what does my audience want? I'm like, oh, they want to go to the biggest heartbreaks I've ever had in my life. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so relatable and it's it inspiring. Is. Cause it's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. And if she can survive that, I can survive that too. Uh, yeah, I had a listener. She was literally starting from episode one and she was like, you know, I'm going through pretty much she was going through something I went through two years ago. And she was just like at every day, every other day she was messaging me. She's like, oh my God, she's laughing about a certain episode. And I'm like looking to see which one she's talking about. And it's just so nice to actually get that feedback too, to know that if someone's listening to it and like either laughing or relating or like, oh my God, I know what you mean by this. And this touched me, you know, it's just. That literally just gives me such a high. I know. That's awesome. I'm, you know, in the book business, so it's so exciting. Like, I got a great review today, and, you know, she's like, this is so funny, and it made me feel better about me and right. and all that stuff. Right now on Twitter, my pin tweet, um, I just followed the podcast on Twitter, but um, my pin tweet says something like, uh, you know, it's got a picture of the book of failures and the link, and then it says, the book of failures has 200 phenomenal reviews and 20 horrible reviews, but those people were probably just in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, or, or they just think you're, you know, oversharing or whatever. It's like, okay, well then get out of here. Or they think that my life is too good to have failures. It's called the book of failures, and they're like, you live in the suburbs, and it's they, they make it like a social economic thing, and I'm like, first of all, I'm not rich. Right. And second of all, it doesn't matter if somebody is telling you a story about pooping their pants, you know what I mean? Or falling down a flight of stairs. You, you have to relate because you didn't poop on your pants. Yeah, You're, exactly. So it's just, it used to hurt my feelings, but now I'm kind of like, ah, I just caught them in a bad mood. You know, it just wasn't what they're looking for. No, just gotta let it go. Uh, I, got, I got a review on um, iTunes podcast. Uh, there's no like actual bio that they wrote. Thank you, Jesus. But they gave me a one star and I'm like, that must be somebody that's in my, my stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but um, how did you start? with first did you start with comedy did you start with the book like what did you start with first I started with comedy first my sister entered me into the funniest moms in America contest in Atlanta and you had to send this is so long ago you had to send in like literally a VHS tape so, so isn't that hilarious so then I went to the funny bone or something it was in Roswell Georgia and I didn't win but it was so fun it became addicting it was stand-up comedy that so feeling, fun. yeah it's so fun but the people that did win were professional female comedians and they should have won because they're professional. I mean, I was the amateur. It was the first time I've, I'd, I had ever done it. Mm -hmm. And then um, later in life, I took a class and that was fun. And so now I'm, I'm trying to develop an hour worth of content. So I try to do like 10 minutes of material and of that 10, always add like three minutes of new material so I can keep growing my right. my set. But anyway, so that's, that's the thing that I did first. Then I wrote a screenplay called hashtag fake mom and it's a um it's a female-centric comedy kind of like a bridesmaids <laughs> and uh how to lose a guy in 10 days kind of like right. that yeah and um that is a saga in itself. I couldn't get a producer and then I couldn't get any money. And then I did get a producer that used to work for DreamWorks and I got a million dollars. And then in Georgia, the um, abortion um, heartbeat legislation surfaced. And so our, we had four Hollywood investors and they pulled. Mm. 
And so then I lost the money on that. But meanwhile, before I had the uh, money for that, I was talking to this attorney and he's an entertainment attorney. And he's like, you can't just waltz into Hollywood, your mom, you know, with a screenplay, you need to like write a book or something. And I was like, what am I supposed to write a book about? And he goes, write what you know. And I was like, I have had a lot of failures. And so that's why (laughs) that's how I wrote the book. Yeah, no, and that, it's funny you saying that because um, I'm actually working, like I was saying, I was working with somebody, and they're like, you got to find, you know, what you're good at, what your experience, and then go with that. I'm like, well, I can talk about so many things. I don't know. Like, I could talk about, because I've been, I mean, I'm 33. I've been divorced twice. My third engagement, he left the month before my wedding. Like, just I saw that. The car ghosted. Yeah, um, that was two years ago. And I mean, I went, I lost everything. I lost my job. I, you know, I had the best job then. And then I couldn't afford my apartment. I lost my apartment. Then I got in a car accident. I lost my car. And I just literally couldn't even get out of bed. Before all that happened, I had a child custody battle. And um, I'm actually really good friends with my kid's stepmom and like stuff like that. And I'm like, I can talk about anything. Like, You're like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it makes so, you, don't yeah. you think it makes you so, um, you give people a lot of grace probably yes. you know what I mean mm-hmm. right because in that moment when you're going through something you're like I wish I would have been able to hear someone's story that I could relate with because that would have made my world you know? yes and you don't know what somebody's like you show up at work and everybody's dressed up or whatever and you don't know what's, you know, going, what's going on in somebody's on home. home life yes or with their kids or whatever and so I think if people are sheltered from life or sheltered from failures um I had a girlfriend like that she just lived this like I mean it was just almost perfect this perfect life and then you better believe when it something happened and what you and I would probably think was a minor blip it just took her down because she wasn't she just she just kind of didn't have any uh thick skin to withstand it so right and sometimes I feel like also you when you get like brought all the way to rock bottoms like I actually put a meme up and and everyone loved it I was like so when you think rock bottom is your lowest a rock bottom has a basement (laughs) (laughs) and it's flooding the basement is flooding and you don't live in Florida because in Florida we don't have basements you live up north so (laughs) no and it's true because like I feel like once you go rock bottom you just you have to pull like I mean it was hard but you had to pull yourself out to get back up and you know even when you don't even want to or you're like why but I, I think that's that's just you know what pushes us and I, I think the world is so looked down on to be authentically yourself I feel like people are like not supposed to show yourself that's like the old-fashioned way oh yeah that's how my mother would be like <gasps> my mom what? too Yes. Don't oh. ever, yeah, yeah. Yes. Dirty yes. Long. She doesn't actually speak that way because we're from Ohio, but that's in my <laughs> mind. That's how she speaks. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, you know, yeah. My mom's the same way. She's like, sometimes you just don't need to say that much on your podcast. I'm like, well, that's my life. So uh, that's that's what it is. Some people, I think you're supposed to be like step four wife, like in the past 10 years. That's like the image you're supposed to be. Step four wife, the perfect wife, the perfect mom. Like, and you, like you said, you, you've done the hashtag fake mom. Yeah. Hashtag yeah, fake mom. Yeah, nice like, I like, only need one million dollars, Angie. <laughs> There's people out there. One million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And honest mom, like I'm a single mom. And I go to parent teacher conference with my kid's stepmom and she has like a binder and she's got highlighters and I'm just there with my phone. Like, okay, what's, what's the notes that I need to write in here? Like, does not make me a bad <laughs> mom? It just makes me a real mom. I don't know. So I, everyone's different, but I feel like we all need to be ourselves. Yes. Unless you're an asshat, then don't be yourself. Yeah, then try to change. Then <laughs> try to be somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Or act like you're somebody else. So then they told you, write a book, and then you came up with a failure book. Yeah, the book of failures. And um, so every Friday, 
on social media, I used to put a fail, like hashtag Friday fail. My friend Kaori actually suggested it. And then I'd put one of my own failures. And normally they weren't from the book. Sometimes they were, but sometimes they're just from everyday life. You know, I put like, um, one time I put, um, I burned dinner and then I had a picture and it wasn't like I burned dinner. Like I overcooked it. It was like literally the noodle box was too close to the gas. And so the noodle box caught on fire. And so I had like, you know, picture of the noodle box on fire. And then, um, what happened was people started commenting on their funny weeks. Like, Oh, you want to hear what happened in my week? And, and they were so funny that I started reaching out to those people and say, Oh my gosh, may I have the story or may I get the rest of the story? And you know, can, may I edit it? And, um, and this, so then I had so much material. I wrote another book, you know, the second one called we're all a mess. It's okay. And that's other people's failures. The first story in that book, it just makes me laugh. It's so gross. But my friend <laughs> Kim Banta, she's an actor in Atlanta. I cannot believe she let me use her name, but she uh, told me the story about how she was on a date when she was a teenager and she went to this fancy house. It was like, you know, historically significant. And, you know, the the guy's like a judge, like the the boy's dad or whatever. They're very fancy. And she said, it's like the mom got a recipe for every single gassy food in America. (laughs) It's like beans and broccoli and, you know, onions. And And it's not asparagus to make your piece milk. And she's like, I was about ready to explode. And they're like, okay, well, you know, uh, it's time to go home. So they were taking her home. You know, she's a teenager and it's like this big fancy, think of like the black and white tile, you know, fancy floor and, you know, there's double doors and then going back the hall is a restroom. So she goes back to the restroom and she's turning on the water and flushing the toilet, flushing the toilet and because, you know, she's having a situation and she broke the toilet and all of a sudden she turns around and there's a poo floating and in a panic, there's no window. There's not even a trash can in a panic. She puts it in her purse. Oh no. (laughs) And she goes, and she tells me, she goes, how long do you think it takes for a fresh poo to stink (laughs) up a, you know, 1975, you know, Cadillac? I will give you the answer immediately. And I mean, I'm just like, that's probably something I would do. Like I would be so mortified yeah, to come like, out and be that? like, oh, I stopped up your toilet. And meanwhile, like there's <laughs> water in there. <laughs> yes. So the water's overflowing and the dad's like, what's happening in there? And she's like, Oh no. So that's the first story. But there's all kinds of stories. Like people that were like almost murdered. It must be one of those days because I actually posted something months ago and it was like, what's one of your most embarrassing stories. And somebody today on Instagram just commented on that post. And they said, um, when I was in the fifth grade, I shit in my pants. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like this post is really late, but I, okay. If you, you felt like sharing that, okay. like, <laughs> it is, but it, I love when people actually tell you like some truth. Like it's it, everyone can relate. It's funny. I mean, not everyone has shit in their pants, but it just, it, why not? Like, it's funny to like, I, I love comedy when I go on cruises or anything. I make sure I get the shows at the times. I'm a, I'm a huge person about going to comedy shows. Why not? Who doesn't like to laugh? You know? I know that's the best thing about having, you know, humorous books Uh, like people will write to me and they say, oh, my gosh, you know, this was happening in my life. My, you know, husband's sick and I just got the first medical bill. It's $60,000. And the same day I got the bill, I got your book in the mail. And for, you know, for 20 minutes. I laughed and it just took me away and it was an escape. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing that like, I'm so drawn to funny movies and just like you, I love stand up, you know, comedy, watching mm-hmm. that on TV or going live. And so it just gives your mind a break. Like you need to, um, right. 
You need to renew your mind. Like some people criticize, like, that's not a serious work. And I'm like, even if you're saving the world, you need a break from saving yeah, the world or you can't, you'll get burned out. It feels good to laugh. It just feels yes. good to laugh about something, especially if you're going through something, you're just laughing. You're like, oh, wow. I, you know, I can feel good for just a couple minutes. Yes. I met a woman the other day that worked for a state psychiatric unit Oh gosh! and she's so Perfect. loving and so caring. And she's like, you know, we get, you know, portrayed as not caring about the patients, but we really do. And we have this great staff. She's like, but I'm not going to lie. She goes after work. You just, you have to tell the stories or you, yes. you have to, because you would implode. So I'm like, you have to write a book. You have to write a book. Yeah, she never would the, because oh. it's, you know, so, such a confidentiality breach, even if it was anonymous. So you came out with your second book, you said, was that the yes. last one? Yeah, that's a, well, that, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of like once you have enough material, maybe I'll write another one, but I'm not actively after that. I, you know, the, the lawyer, the entertainment lawyer that said he wouldn't represent me. He's like, you have to get a lot of press. So I would just went on this mission. I booked myself on this great morning show called Atlanta company, you know, out of Atlanta. And, um, you know, they did like a three minute interview or whatever. And then they asked me if I could stay at the end. They have like a round table, kind of like the view, but nicer ladies, no politics mm -hmm. or screaming at each other. It's just real positive, kind of like mommy issues or whatever. Yeah. Issues. So I did that. And now they've invited me back almost every other Tuesday for two years. Oh, wow. Nice. And so it's been so, awesome. yeah, it's been so fun. And then from that, another host, a uh, television host from the UI network's like, Hey, be a guest. And then, Hey, I'm going out of town. Can you fill in and be the host? And I was like, sure. And then eventually that led to, would you like to do your own show? And I was like, okay. So, um, my, um, uh, co-host Gina Riles and I, we started this little show called in the burbs mm -hmm. and, um, it's really fun and, and you can watch it, you know, on a uh, bench TV or it streams on our Facebook page in the burbs or on the UI media app com okay. and um or you can listen you know on Spreaker or SoundCloud or whatever but it's been really fun and we have like you know like you we have like interesting guests and we talk okay. about we talk about real issues in a funny way right no that's good okay I'm gonna have to check that out and like I'm gonna have to get that information for me so I can post that in the bio of the um, podcast episode of course thank you yeah, it's no, really so fun we don't know what's gonna happen every week no, no, no. Oh my gosh. I could never, I write, I'm the writer. So it's a lot of content. So it's every other week, almost every, like twice a month, every other okay. Wednesday. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, Wednesdays too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Nice. Okay. Well, that's, that's awesome. When'd you start that? Well, let's see next week, November 20th is our sixth show. So, you know, we've only been doing it for a couple months, three months. But you know, you have a co yeah, we have a, I do have a co-host. Gina Riles is her name. And she's really funny. And we're, but we're opposite, like the way we raise our kids and the way, just the way we are. We're just so opposite. You know, I was, um, you know, corporate America for 20 years and, you know, she, we are just so different, but like, I think that makes for a good talk show because we don't agree on everything. But that's okay. You and know, it's like, the prospect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's no, like I respect and, um, everything she did. Yeah, just because we didn't do it the same way. Like me and my kid's stepmom um, work completely like night and day opposites. And she started a blog called Blended Nest. And it talks about in a good relationship with their parenting as a step parent and as well with like with the actual biological mom and with the kids and where to step in and when not, when not. And she is completely opposite of me. She's very humble. She's quiet. She does not react like I do. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> it's actually nice because, you know, there's two different ways. If me and her, we talk about it. I always say, you know, it's like I'm the little devil and she's the little angel on the shoulder. But I mean, it's just different ways of how people can relate. Oh, absolutely.
Yeah, and your kids see that. Your kids see those sides of that. And there's right. and you there's said you positive and negative. No, we have three girls. We're blended as well. So I have one oh. biological child, Anna. She's 16. And then my husband has um, three. He has uh, two uh, girls and a son. So we're blended. Um, oh, well, oh, we, that's a lot of kids. If I, if I ever get married with someone with kids, it's going to be, the, you know, the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. I would, I would recommend my husband and I both would be like, you know, just buy like houses close to each other and then go on dates and then go home. (laughs) It's so stressful. Anyone that has, it's so funny in my books, I do talk about being, it's just so hard. Being a stepmom is so, is so hard. Oh, and um, her name is Mallory. And um, if you want to check out her, it's called Blended Nest. She just started this blog. She's got some good content on there but you know the first year I mean I gave her hell because I, I wasn't comfortable and my my youngest was only you know six months old when we divorced so I was like oh god my kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna think like I'm not their mom I don't know why this image of you know why I had that in my head so at first it was very difficult but then once I realized how good she was to my kids and I was like you know I, I don't have to be like that and I actually you know saw what a good person she was and it wasn't I could tell it wasn't fake and and then, you know, now seven years, we've been divorced for eight years and they're remarried. They had a daughter. And I'm like, of course you would have the daughter because I have two brothers and two sons. And I'm like, oh, surrounded by men. But um, <laughs> yeah, so she, she's a great person and she's so good to my kids. And she started this blog and her blog talked about don't always feel like you have to like prove yourself for the mom. It's true. And I and I told her, I'm like, get some thick skin because you're going to get some people that are biological moms that are going to react. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, even if you, I mean, it sounds like she's a great, um, a great person. I remember when, you know, how in Atlanta, we're in Georgia, when you get divorced, you have to go through uh, a class and I'll never forget. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'll never forget the woman's like, she started, she opened with this, which I thought was so perfect. Um, she's like, I just want to tell you that your soon to be ex or your ex will remind you of why they are your ex. For the rest of your life, like you know oh, what I mean, like you're di- you're getting divorced for a reason, and and knowing that, okay, so now you're divorced, so you have handled that piece of it, so don't you know have um a grudge for the rest of your life, and even if somebody is a stepmom or a stepdad and you don't really love the way they are with your kids, you know it's like it's mm-hmm. like worry about yourself. It's so people get so bitter and so tangled up in that it, it really puts the kids in the middle and gives them a lot of stress. Right. And so it's just like, try to give the other person unless, you know, as much grace as possible, which I know is hard, but, um, you know, that's just right. part of, that's part of it. Cause if you're all and, up in their business, it's like, you've got a lot of unsettled emotions in yourself. Cause if you're really like, this is the best thing that we're separated, we're divorced. You, um, you distance yourself from it. It's, it, it's actually indifference. You know what I mean? You don't really care about it. Right. About and I feel like anymore. for me being the female, um, and, and for me being the one that divorced him, because, um, I think the women who are bitter are the ones that are left or cheated on and stuff like that. And then, then it gets more difficult, but yeah, I agree. Like the, the, the new girlfriend or the new wife is not, should not hold anything accountable for her your ex like it just I just don't you know you shouldn't like go against her because of what he did or anything like that yeah it's so hard it's so tricky it the whole thing is. is tricky it is and I admire anyone that tries to blend and you know um if you know someone going through a divorce and it, this is like the case 99% of the time you 
you just fear you don't want to break up your family. You don't want to break up your family. So you just do anything to try to make it work. And then nine times out of 10 after the divorce, like a year later, you're like, why did I stay in that situation for five years, 10 years or however long you stayed? You're like, oh my gosh. But I guess you walk away saying I really tried to do everything that I could do. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's, and then you can move on, I guess. But so many people like you see it and I see it and I'm like, you have to get away from that person. (laughs) Right. And you have your, your son or daughter, you have your child. So yeah, exactly. So you're married to someone um, and you have a blended family. Yeah. It's a unique situation. My husband's wife passed away at 33. She was really young. Um, That's my age. Wow. Yeah. And she had, um, they had three little kids, like two, four and and then I when I met him the youngest was you know they were like 8 11 and 12 or something in one way it was kind of interesting because they're like mom but on the other hand it was like they were so emotionally ready for a mom but I wasn't emotionally ready for kids I don't I don't know how to say that other than that it's like they were so starved to have a mom and I love all of them but it was like all of a sudden somebody's calling your mom you're like what's happening um, and right. there were so many of them, <laughs> there were so many changes <laughs> so going many on at once, you know, that it was probably the hardest summer yeah, of my from life. One to four, right? Yeah. And, and I only had one part time. I mean, my ex-husband and I shared custody of my daughter because, um, I was a corporate trainer. And so I traveled about 50% of the time. And so literally I went from full-time working with a part-time, you know, child responsibilities. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. That's yeah. Have. To, um, not working for a short period of time. And four children in the and summer. Time, and my right. my husband's like, um, now I normally send my children to summer camp, but you know, like you're home, so and I was like, Oh yeah, that'll be fine. And yeah. I, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill all of these little kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes when school starts, I think the moms are much happier. Yeah, but now, you know, now the kids are older. You know, Savannah, the oldest one, she is like twenty one, getting ready to be twenty two, and she's so sweet, you know, within um a few months of going to college you know, um, if you were my mom, if you were really my mom, you would be my best friend. You would let me do this. You would do this. And, um, I would say, I no, I'm not your best friend. I'm your mom. I'm not right. your best friend. And she, I was like, call your grandma, call your aunts and uncles. I assure you, that's not the relationship that your mom would have had with you either. Right. And, um, she went away to college and I don't know what happened, but within a few months she called me and she's like, you know what? I get that. And the, the kids where their moms are their best friends, they have, it's, it's really weird. And the mom's kind of like trying too hard. And, um, it, it, it's, um, she's like, I'm so glad you, you, you separated that. And so now, you know, once you learn that, then you can almost have a friendship with your kids because they're, they're over that, you know, it's not like I'm disciplining her anymore. You know, she's a grown woman. So right. no, that's awesome. And I mean, that's, that's good. You have a good relationship with them, especially the girls. I feel I dated someone with um, daughters and that I felt like the girls were the hardest ones. <laughs> yeah, no, they were, um, they're, they're really sweet. They just had a lot to deal with, with their, you know, with their situation that they, they had. So, but they're good. They're, you know, two of them are in college now and, uh, one of them's getting ready to go next year. So it's good. So, so you've been in Atlanta the whole since forever or you, are you no I grew up in the um midwest I grew up in the heart like if you um Angie if you took a map of the rust belt and then over the map of the rust belt if you put the map of the region of Appalachia uh that's where I live I, I grew up in southern Ohio which is like really um it's so funny if you look it up they're like it's an area prone for violence and moonshine <laughs> oh that's 
sounds like the, like the intro of a movie. <laughs> I know, but the um, maybe I'll open my. I'm trying to. I'm studying to do a TED talk. Maybe I'll open my TED talk with that. It's an area. It's someone from Ohio, from South Ohio. <laughs> I actually have a lot of people from Ohio, Ohio and Michigan that listen to my podcast. And hello, Ohio. Yeah, right. And um. Yeah, um, I grew up in this small, you know, poor area of the world, but um, my little tiny town. Uh, was established like it you know it's one of the first territories in that area and um, Dayton Dayton and oh um, Dayton Dayton yeah I've been there Mm -hmm. in Columbus and then uh, Cleveland obviously but yeah um, yeah, those three are like about 37 percent I'm like oh oh wow and then then you moved to Atlanta yeah Um, my parents um my parents had had uh divorced and uh so I went to I graduated from um Ohio State and then when I graduated I my mom had uh, moved to Atlanta and I was like you know I lived in Ohio my whole life so I'm just gonna kind of change it up there's also a huge boyfriend breakup in there in the middle of that Angie I'm gonna be honest with you I'm like I'm out of here <laughs> yeah right no I get that but it's funny they how say, it always works out they, yeah they say the best way to move on is to move away so and I agree with that. I'm stuck <laughs> that's here, not what my so hairdresser says she says <laughs> the best way to get over one man is get under another shall we say yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, i've heard that I, sometimes sometimes <laughs> so who are the ladies that's on the cover of your your recent book oh oh those are so on the front cover mm-hmm. that is um the blonde is my neighbor uh becky robinson and she she actually works on pr and thank you becky robinson she's helped me with a few things um like getting uh, my book and on a lot of magazine covers and in the Atlanta Journal Constitution so bless her heart and then next to her is uh, my friend Kaori who lives in my neighborhood that's a real alpaca that you see I rented him <laughs> from um, Atlanta yeah everyone's like did you photoshop that in there I'm like no it was um he was part of the photo shoot it was it was literally Atlanta casting animal casting there's a wrangler if you're looking at the book there's actually a rope they they photoshopped it out but there's a wrangler with a rope laying down behind the couch and it was a really nice alpaca and then <laughs> left is one of my um best friends shannon krogman and on the on the back is a whole a whole group of uh my my posse my girlfriends my my best oh, best girlfriends awesome. on the right sharon and my friend jim pate that i've known for 20 years and my friend rachel so there's Brooke. She's from a podcast. Uh, Married AF is on there as well. <laughs> Married so, AF. That's yeah. cute. No, that's awesome. I think that's great. It's, you need your supporters, you know, especially when you're you're into business about, you know, making fun of your your situations or laughing about stuff like that you've been through. You, you do need someone to be there to be your cheerleader. Yeah. And they all can, um, almost all of them contributed stories, sometimes not under their own name. <laughs> Yeah, but they right, all like anonymous. Yeah, they all contributed stories. Like my friend Shannon contributed a story. It's so funny. She was in college and she worked at this Italian restaurant. There's this her favorite couple, you know, great tippers would come in and um they were this nice Italian couple and they're like, You gotta meet my son, you know, he's in medical school, he's so sweet. And she's like, Oh, whatever. So um one day she turns around and there he is and he's like beautiful. This like she's like oh my gosh this beautiful med school student and she of course you know had this huge tray and she said the family's always like extra marinara like when you think you have too much marinara double it you know more we want bowls of marinara and she was had this you know giant tray of you know pasta and extra marinara and she caught she was looking at him so she caught her elbow on the corner of the bar and it was oh, no. almost like you know the world series pitcher she like pitched through this tray at them and it's like hot there was an explosion you know they had the whole thing professionally cleaned all on the carpet and so she contributed that story is so funny it was like you know funny things at work another 
they were in a cubicle and their boss is like, hurry up and get this stuff printed. And, um, her coworker right next to her, this guy was supposed to be printing it. And she hears like clip, clip, clip. And she looks over and he has his shoes and socks off and he's clipping his toe. Oh God, Jesus. Can you not? (laughs) And so it's just like the craziest things, the craziest things. And then, you know, one woman, uh, she's like, there's a gift section. People like give you the worst gifts. A lot of them are mother-in-laws or whatever, but they're like, right. They're not really a particularly religious family and she gives every single person like sweatshirts with Jesus and mugs with Jesus. <laughs> and I'm just like it just real life is always the funniest it really is it really is because there's I mean there's somebody out there that will relate and that's true you do get a lot of gifts from mother-in-laws that you're like what am I gonna do like it's still in the box and it's I can't yes I can't remember my ex-mother-in-law who I like very much uh, she's really nice she got me a it was like a porcelain iguana and I'm like and she said when I saw this I thought of you and I'm like I don't have any other reptile you know I don't what I don't like what does she mean what is she trying is this kind of like her being mean like exactly I'm like I didn't even ask I was like all right so remember I took it to the office and to tell the funny story and one of the IT guys who was real sweet and you know kind of nerdy and he's like hey I have uh, two iguanas I'll put it in their cage I like it I was like it's yours it's like the um secret santa there you go there you go yeah my uh my ex's mom would always she uh, i would say how close she had taste but she sometimes would give me like really skimpy sometimes would give me like really skimpy crop tops and my ex is like one day i was wearing an outfit to our like we went on a cruise and he's like like where did you get that like that looks so trashy i'm like your mom got me this Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. no, and then she would give me like these big um like purses that like you know with the sling that goes across your chest and it's like really big rhinestones and heavy heavy stones on it with shells and I'm just like you're oh, like wow. Geez, this is heavy, oh, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, on our show coming up November 20th, we're talking about stress, the stress of the holidays. People get so stressed and oh. freak out. Yeah. And it's just like, you know what? I'd rather somebody just make me homemade cookies than be stressed. I don't need a gift. You know what I mean? Like, just. I think the stress comes from, like, the approval of the family or finally meeting the, you know, the mom's side of the family. And you're like, oh. No, or if, like, you know, some people have very contemptuous, you know, contemptuous, contempt- you know what I mean? Stressful yes. relationships with their families. I'm from Appalachia. I can't pronounce everything. But um, <laughs> they have uh, horrible relationships. I'm like, well, just don't go. Like, why? Yeah. If you really, it gives you so so much anxiety and then you get your feelings hurt and then you're depressed like just choose have a friendsgiving yeah have a friendsgiving with people be, that you know, love you your, your, your husband or your your guy like okay you can go and i'll see you later <laughs> i know it's just like now that again getting older i'm like i'm not spending time with people that are that are nasty to me oh yeah i mean you have to like prove oh my god what's your next thing that you're working on you're just working on that um that talk show with your yeah I'm writing the talk show it's so everything that I've ever done the books and my television show and doing all the press and all that it's always been like how can I get attention to make this movie it is and now I'm finding out you know listening to actors it's like sometimes it takes 15 years to get a film made and I'm like why but then now I understand it's just a lot of it's timing and who's involved and you know what pieces you know what um talents available and when connections yeah yes and so that's my dream is to like do a funny TED talk that gets nine million hits and um and be able to attract the right people to get that 
made. And what do you want your movie to be about? Well, I already ran the movie, you know, years ago. So it's um, it's the hashtag fake mom, and it's oh, okay, about yeah. a um, a single woman who works in the financial sector in New York. Like she's all business. Think of like Amanda Peet type character. Okay, yeah. And uh, she falls in love with a southern gentleman with a bunch of kids. And um, she moves to Georgia, and she thinks, oh, the ex-wife is going to handle these kids. And uh, the ex-wife takes off with Javier, the tennis pro. And so and her <laughs> husband's on a mission trip. So she's stuck, you know, in this, like, gated community in Georgia. You know, it's just like a fish-out-of-water story, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I like that. Yeah, and kind of like if, if the stay-at-home moms, in a funny way, examining the stay-at-home mom's opinions of working moms and working mom's opinions of stay-at-home moms in a really funny way and how, you know, we're more alike than than not. People are just trying to do the best for their families and people shouldn't be so judgmental about that. Right. It's like putting like a city girl into the neighborhood of the Desperate Housewives show. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's going to be really funny. A woman. You know you're going to be judged. <laughs> yes. And she's like, there's one woman on there that she's obsessed with, like Jamie from the Outlanders. And, you know, she's at Costco and she gets on a rowing machine and she has an orgasm on the rowing machine while she's looking at Jamie from the Outlanders poster. So it's just, um, it's it's just gonna be super fun. So that's awesome. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you'll you'll get there. I mean, you you look like you've done a lot of good work, and you've done this for a few years now. I want to say, right? Yes. Yes. Like, it's a hard business, isn't it? It's a hard. Yeah. It's a really hard business. Even though it's fun, it does eventually all of it becomes work. It, it's I can't think of any work that would be more fun. But it does, in fact, become like, dang it, how am I going to get this made? Right. Like, I was just telling someone the other day, I was out at, you know, at a bar with my girlfriends, and they're like, get off your phone, whoever you're texting. I'm like, I'm working. I'm replying to emails. I'm trying to figure out what my episode is going to be about. I am trying to build an empire. (laughs) Yeah, like, you don't see this because it's all digital, but... Like I'm doing something right now. <laughs> yeah, the hours I put in weekly on my podcast is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. And do, did you always like like writing and, and writing script books, or did you just kind of get into that after comedy? No, I um I was a corporate trainer, so I had to write a, a lot of like sales manuals, nothing <laughs> sexy. And then I started volunteering um at my church as an actor. You know, like any Sunday, you can see me as Moses or Jesus or uh, uh, grapes, like a, like a bunch of grapes. And um, and then they were so funny. I was like, who writes these funny little plays? They're so funny. And um, they said, oh, the stuff does. You want to write for us? Submit a writing sample. And so I started writing the little plays. That's and awesome. um, so that that's how kind of I got started in writing. And I, I was always a um, huge reader. I really read everything. I read modern literature. I read the classics. I read mm-hmm. magazines. Like I love to read. And, um, you know, there's, I can't remember who said it, a famous writer and it was John Irving or Hemingway. It's like the best way to be a great writer is to, is to read all the time. Seeing the different ways of, um, yes. how you can write or explain things. And, you know, I would say I'm more good at verbalizing than actually writing. Cause I'm, it's hard to put stuff, I guess, on paper, but if you're good at it, I mean, and you can learn different techniques in different ways. That's awesome. No, I, I, I agree. I have a friend who loves reading and she's all about stuff like that. And I'm just like, I wish I could write. <laughs> well, you can write. Well, my books read, like people say, they read like little Saturday Night Live vignettes. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. um, it's so funny because when you're a writer, if you follow any writers on Twitter, they're always worried about their word count, word count, word count. I did 10,000 words. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not the way it is when you write film or, mm-hmm. 
you, when you write film, you, if you can say it in three words, don't say it in four because it's a show, not tell medium. Right. Right. And that's kind of how it is in stand up comedy. You, you don't want a big it's long story. Grabber, yeah. Yeah. You can't, you better have an amazing punchline if you're taking the audience on this long story. So, um, that's kind of my style so that they're like really short little, um, you know, essays and, um, mm-hmm. so you can pick it up and put it back down. But that warmed my heart when someone said that, like, oh my gosh, I can just picture these being a Saturday Night Live skit. They're so funny. I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh, I know. That's such a good, no, I was just thinking that when you were saying that. I was like, oh, this is Saturday Night Live because I know their stuff are all, you know, writers that are writing that. That's awesome. And, and you know what, like I said, why not add, it, add a little humor into it when you can make someone smile or laugh or um, something like that. And I, so from that, you just, um, if let's just say when you do do this movie, you want to just keep writing for movies and, and plays or Yes, I would love to write another movie. My next movie that I'm writing is called The Tennis Trip, and it's based on, loosely based on a true story. Um, About 15 years ago, a group of girls and I started going on this tennis trip to the same place, Sandustin, Florida, every year, every Mm -hmm. year. And imagine what's happened in that 15 years. Like, you know, people have had babies. People have gotten married, divorced, remarried. People have lost their husbands. People have lost children. And so it's like this emotional funny it's going to be a comedy but it's going to be about the true things that really happen to you and how you have to cling dear to your best friends because they're there for you regardless right. of what's going on or sometimes yeah. they're not you have you t- you take a break from them and then you're ready you get your head out of your ass and then you're yeah. ready to come back you know I like that no no I like that that's, that's true I mean I think us women we we need to support because you know sometimes our husbands or our boyfriends they get tired of hearing our our drama or our certain situation and women get us yes they do and it's just I mean you know that I think it takes us six hours to get there from Atlanta we laugh all the way down and we used to like when we were younger we used to like take work you know clothes and go out and dance and now we don't if we take ten we pack tennis clothes and pajamas that's it we don't even go out we just that's it we pick up you know pf changs bottom one yes and hang out and laugh and and it's um, some of these girls I only see once a year at this at the, because of divorces and moves and jobs. Right. And so it's just like yeah, the older you get, they move away. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's, you know, I just like feel good, feel good movies with a lot of heart. You know, I'm attracted to that. So, yeah, I enjoy that. I don't like scary movies. I like. Oh, movie, I hate scary you know, movies. Or I like. Yeah. And if, and then if the love movies are a little too cheesy, I don't really like it. If it's really, really unrealistic, you know, I'm like, eh, it's just too much. But um, the comedy yeah. ones, but with a little relatable content is always good. Yeah. And it's not, um, you know, it's kind of like my bridesmaids really crack the door open for women. And, um, yes. you know, that wasn't a love story, a love story. The love story was between the women. The love story is kind of like sex in the city. Mm-hmm. The love story was between the women and the city. Not, right. not, I mean, there was always a love story on the side or whatever, but I love that. I love that focus. Yeah. Women and women are making, because you know, a man would be like, no, you need a love, a love story in there. But women, men now are seeing like the studio executives are seeing, wait a minute, this works. Women go to the movies and groups and women will watch a movie about friendships of women so um reese witherspoon and elizabeth banks and some of those filmmakers i mean you know they became producers because there was no role that they wanted to play yeah Uh, so they had to write their own reese witherspoon is like she has a podcast and she has all another company that she's doing too um that she i think she's selling something but yeah she's just grown so much too 
Yes. And uh, Jimmy Fallon's wife, you know, she's a, you know, she's a producer with uh, Drew Barrymore. So I think, um, I think it's happening, believe it or not, I think Hollywood is making more women films than ever because they're seeing that they make money. The problem is I don't have an agent. And so you can't just waltz into Hollywood, even though I have an attorney, I don't have an agent. Right, so, right. Yeah. So if you're listening, <laughs> Tyler Perry, I'd like to make my movie in your beautiful studio. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag Tyler Perry, have, Angie. I, I'll just I will. Post. Hashtag <laughs> Tyler Perry. <laughs> what would you want me to um, name this episode? Hmm. Maybe something know. like everything is funny, dot, 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 eventually. <laughs> eventually. One day. <laughs> and is there anything that, um, that you want to either close this with or anything that you want to mention about 2020? Oh, 2020, I feel like it's such a, like, year for everyone to be like, new me, you know, because it's like 2020. Yes, I'm going to put it out there, my good intention. So 2020, I'm going to have a, a TED Talk, I hope, and 2020, my film, Fake Mom's going to get made. You know, the yes. usual stuff, I guess, in closing. It's like on Twitter, I'm Amy Lyle, Instagram, author Amy Lyle. Uh, my books, um, the Amy Benegar Chemist Lyle Book of Fail- Failures, but if you just look up the Book of Failures on Amazon, you'll find it. It's also available on Barnes and Noble and .com and Walmart.com. And the other book is We're All a Mess, It's Okay. And in the Burbs, <laughs> the little show, <laughs> um, in the Burbs, you can watch on UIMediaApp.com or on our Facebook page in the Burbs. And we love to hear from people because, you know, they always give us content ideas. They're like, why don't you talk about And write good reviews, not bad ones. The bad ones, I, the fact that they write bad ones is like, just go, go be miserable on your own. I know. You know what, Angie, you're right. It's like, I used to get mad and now I'm like, where are you in your life where I'm doing something trying to lift up people and you're being mean and hateful? Like, yeah, where yeah. are you? You are in a bad pace, place in your life and I do really feel sorry for you because that's so sad right exactly and i mean they say that too like with restaurants like people don't really go out of their way to write a good review they'll go out of their way to write a bad one so when you get those good ones you're like thank you so much yeah it's the same isn't it if you love it or you hate it then you write a review that's and i'm so just true. so lucky that i have like literally 200 you know good reviews and then uh, it's so funny because one to, um you know my my books are essay you know they're like a hundred different stories and someone wrote a review they're like i don't understand the story like i don't understand the plot there's no character development i'm like what <laughs> it, it's like the story they're they're, they're different i'm like yeah, they're no, short stories dude but whatever the it's so the page <laughs> yeah you just gotta t- you just gotta take the good with the bad it's I'm if gonna, you put I'm yourself out there to, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm, I want to read your book because, I mean, I'm sure I can relate with a good portion of it. And uh, if anyone wants to contact you, what's your email? Um, you know what? They can go to my website, www.amylyle.me, and um, just click on become my bestie or something and um, send me an email. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, I'll put all that information there. And thank you so much, Amy, for being on this. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you know, being on this episode, I wish you luck. And I, I'm sure you'll get to, you know, your movie and 2020 will be a good year. <sighs> I hope so. All right. Well, thank you so much and have a great night. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. An unfiltered, uncensored, raw storytelling podcast. I'm tired and angry, but somebody should be. Welcome to another episode of my Ugly Truth Podcast. Save me a press.